The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us from remote outposts over the Internet today. Thank you for being with us again. In just a moment, acclaimed journalist and news anchor Mr. Dan Rather will be with us to explain why journalists no longer have the courage to do the kind of reporting that really matters and and how this is producing an underinformed and sometimes a misinformed democracy. But before Mr. Rather joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Daniel Irvin Rather Jr. was born in Wharton, Texas, and was raised in Houston by working-class parents who subscribed to and religiously read many different newspapers. Their admiration for reporters had a tremendous influence on the young Rather, who was also fond of listening to reporting delivered by Eric Severide and Edward R. Murrow over the radio. At Sam Houston State College, Rather signed on as editor of the college newspaper while also working for the Associated Press, United Press International, and the local radio station. But this wasn't the only time Rather would find himself juggling multiple roles at one time. After graduating with a degree in journalism, Rather joined KTRH Radio. This was followed by a job with CBS affiliate KHOU-TV. That is until CBS promoted Rather to network correspondent. It didn't take long before he was covering the Washington, D.C. beat, which included stories ranging from the Watergate scandal to the war in Vietnam. Rather's big break as anchor came when CBS assigned him to the CBS Weekend News. Then in 1981, he was named successor to Walter Cronkite on the CBS Evening News, while he was also hosting 48 hours and working for 60 minutes. Once again, Rather found himself juggling multiple roles. Rather stepped down from anchoring the news, retiring from CBS in 2006 after serving the network and the public for 44 years. And I might add, winning numerous Emmy and Peabody Awards, honorary degrees, and being inducted into the Television Hall of Fame. Today, Mr. Rather hosts Dan Rather Reports and is the founder of News and Guts Media. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report an industry veteran who has been called the hardest working man in broadcast journalism, Mr. Dan Rather. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Rather. Rebecca, thank you very much for having me on, and thank you for that wonderful, overly generous, but wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, uh, we just try to report the facts here, and hopefully we got a few of those right. You have such a long and distinguished career, it's, it's kind of hard to work it all in, uh, in a one radio program. But, uh, but I'd like to open with um, uh, something that has really weighed on me. Uh, since leaving CBS, you've been fairly critical of where you see journalism heading. Uh, You said that uh, media consolidation and corporate and political interests seem to be at the heart of a general erosion of standards. But there are many in this business that argue that, you know, business and politics have always played a role in mass media. So so what, in your view, has changed? Well, I certainly agree that they've always played a, a role in mass media. The difference between yesterday and today uh, in the world of journalism is Twofold. Number one, and this is no particular order of importance, the entertainment values have finally almost completely overwhelmed journalistic values and journalistic standards, what I've called the trivialization of the news, concentration on such things as celebrities as opposed to foreign policy being an example. The second, and which is more complex, but in short is you've had a tremendous consolidation of uh, media outlets, the ownership, 
of uh, increasing numbers of media outlets, both uh, print, radio, and television, for that matter, the Internet, uh, under ever-increasingly large companies to the point, and this is the, the important part of this, to the point where today, in terms of national distribution of news, no more than six, my count is four, but no more than six very large international conglomerates, huge companies, control more than 80% of the true national distribution of news. Now, these are very large uh, enterprises, very large companies, and forgive my language if you must, but big business has become in bed with big government in Washington, whether that government be led at any particular time by Republicans or Democrats, uh, for their mutual benefit, for their mutual benefit, not for the benefit of a news-consuming public. And the whole idea of news as a public service and news people being having a public trust and being responsible for that trust has gone almost completely out of the journalistic equation. And that's a big difference between the early years of, say, television and even the more mature years of the 70s and 80s. That's what's changed. Well, let's talk about that consolidation for a moment. One of the side effects of consolidation, of course, is a decrease in diversity. So most news programs today lead, tend to lead with the same stories, same footage, use the same two- to three-minute you know, format per story. They're beginning to feel very homogeneous. Uh, what is it about this consolidation that's produced such uniformity in the kind of information we're getting? Because they are now uh, almost entirely focused on making money. Let me pause and say that uh, I'm not against an entrepreneurial system. I'm certainly not against capitalism. But there was a time not long ago when news was considered to be first and foremost in the public interest. And therefore, being in the public interest, whether it was a network or a local station, it said, look, we're in business to make money, but when it comes... News is public service, so we're going to give 10% of our broadcast day, 5% of our broadcast time to public service. Now there's no sense of that. Now the reason you've reached such homogeneous uh, presentation of the news is everybody in the corporate inner sanctums, they only care about ratings and demographics because that equals profits and equals stockholder value, if you will. Therefore, they depend only on the same surveys, the same people who stand outside a Walmart and say, what stories are you interested in hearing? And they all operate off the same idea. Also, everybody operates off, off the thesis that you get the, the coverage that is least expensive. You don't spend money on deep-digging investigative reports. You don't spend money uh, on true real high-quality international reporting. Therefore, everybody's focused on let's do more celebrity news or let's have four people get in a room and shout at one another about what's happening in Afghanistan rather than have a bureau in Afghanistan. All of this leads to exactly what you described in so many cases. No matter where you go on the dial, the lead story is the same, uh, the format is the same, and the lack of, of, of quality is the same. Yeah, so I, I guess what you're saying is is that news now is being treated like any other programming, uh, and exactly. and that and the name of the game with other types of programming, like even sitcoms, is to get your ratings up, get your audience larger, so you can charge more for advertising. That's how these networks make their profit. Exactly, and I think it's important to emphasize that there's always been that's the business of, of American. Um, broadcasting, radio, and television. That's been the business for a long time. But the difference is, to say, not too long ago, it was when it came to news, you said, well, a certain amount of the broadcast day, we're going to commit ourselves to, to public service. And therefore, the news programs, you say, well, for news programs, yeah, we want to get a big audience, but you know what? The more important thing than getting a large rating or a good demographic is to do what we think is news that matters important news, i.e. Inform the public, right. Uh, the, the primary responsibility was to inform the public. Right, because we all understand that uh, an informed citizenry is absolutely essential to a constitutional republic built on the principles of freedom and democracy such as ours. 
Right, except for there are some people who think an uninformed population uh, is easier to control. So we're going to go and take our first break, but stay right where you are. When we come back, we're going to find out just how much influence politics and social media has had on reporting the news. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is changing the way organizations work. From data-driven marketing and ad targeting to the connected car, big data is fueling product innovation and new revenue opportunities. It's creating a culture in which business and IT leaders join forces to realize value from all data. They infuse analytics everywhere and make speed a differentiator, gaining competitive advantage from faster, more informed decisions. Leading organizations are creating new business models, developing new roles, and defining new big data architectures, including an infrastructure that can manage and process exploding volumes of structured and unstructured data, in motion as well as at rest, while protecting data privacy and security. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. The holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year... Give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. There's no element in the body that's more important than iodine, and not just for the thyroid either. As it turns out, all of the glands of the body depend on iodine. The adrenal glands are especially dependent on iodine, and making sure you're getting enough via diet and supplementation can reduce fibrocystic breasts and lower the risk of heart disease too. Iodine is also important for your brain. According to researchers writing in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, iodine deficiency can prevent children from attaining, quote, their full intellectual potential, unquote. Deficiencies in iodine are considered to be the most preventable cause of brain damage in infants and children, and according to the World Health Organization, over one-third of kids are iodine deficient. According to the World Health Organization, iodine deficiency in adults can lower IQs by up to 15 points. And considering the average adult IQ is around 90 to 100, and 80 is considered dull, losing 15 IQ points can be pretty significant. Although iodine is one of the most feared and misunderstood of all the nutritional minerals, the fact is iodine is perhaps the safest of all the essential trace elements. Organic nutritional iodine is the only essential trace element that can be used safely for long durations in doses many times higher than the RDA. Iodine is found abundantly in the ocean, and regular consumption of seafood and sea vegetables are a great way to make sure you're getting enough. You can also supplement with Lugol Solution, a product called Iodorol or its equivalent. You can also use drops of something called nascent iodine, which may be especially especially effective as a supplemental source. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is journalist and former anchor of the CBS Evening News, Mr. Dan Rather. And before the break, you were making the point that consolidation has led to the news being treated like other network programming aimed at entertainment, and the news is no longer viewed as a public service designed to inform the citizenry. Um, in your view, just how much has this free instantaneous reporting by citizens on the scene um, via the Internet and social media, uh, how much influence has that had on uh, the direction that media has taken? Because I, I'll tell you, you'd think it put pressure on um, the the professional media outlets to move toward more in-depth quality reporting rather than try to compete with these rogue Facebook reports. But that doesn't seem to be the case. These large conglomerates seem to be trying to use private citizens as if they were freelance reporters and asking them to send material to the news bureau and, and even offering to give them bylines and that kind of thing. It, it almost seems to have backfired. I think it has in many important ways backfired, but I want to... I'm right behind that and say that this is this is a mixed picture. I do think there are some po- there are some positive effects of the internet uh, opening the possibility that you know every person can be a reporter of sorts. But having said that, there's a danger here. First of all, there's a danger of manipulation uh, by political and other entities that see an opportunity to manipulate coverage by creating what I will call false pressure, that is, the impression uh, that public opinion is moving in one monolithic direction. So there's the the danger of manipulation, which I think we've already seen in some cases. There also is, without the uh, motivation of manipulation, uh, inaccurate reporting, unfair reporting, rumors being reported as fact, that... In the end, I, I do think there's some benefit of opening up to, look, call us if you have a story. Send us video if you think you have a report. But there have to be gatekeepers. There have to be professional gatekeepers. Perhaps the, the word gatekeepers is not correct. You wouldn't want, beyond a certain point, if there's something wrong with your body, you want a medical doctor, not your neighbor, to help yourself. If, if your car needs a, the muffler changed or the brake lining replaced, you'd rather take it to a professional mechanic than to have the guy across the street or the woman down the street get underneath your car and make things. So there's a, there's a, a need for professional, experienced, trained reporters to separate what I will call brass tacks from bullshine, and that gets increasingly difficult in the environment in which we now exist. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because... Um uh, we seem to be so polarized these days that uh, even asking a politician an uncomfortable question as a reporter it can cause a reporter to be accused of being an agent for the other side, let alone investigating and revealing a story that's unfavorable to one party or the other. So um, as much as I agree with you, there there needs to be gatekeepers. There need to be professional people. You know, just because you've got an iPhone doesn't make you a reporter. Right. The reporters that we trust, the Walter Cronkites, the Dan Rathers of the world, the the reporters we trust, they came up through the ranks. They're professionals. As you uh, use the analogy, you'd go to a doctor or you'd go to a dentist if you if you had a toothache, you wouldn't go to your neighbor and ask for help. So uh, we but but even the reporters seem to be backing away and going along with this degradation of standards and uh, the lack of oversight. No question about it. I want to make clear that I do not accept myself from the criticism inherent uh, in what I'm about to say. That I've said it before, I don't think it may be repeated often enough, that in American journalism, in some important ways, we've lost our guts, we've lost our nerve. Uh, we have our excuses for doing so. It is true that uh, much more than ever before, to ask the tough question and the tough follow-up question of someone in power, uh, you open yourself to paying a price. Sometimes the price could, can be your job, sometimes it can be reputation. So there, there is this undertow, if you will, in American journalism. Just get in the middle move with the mass of what seems to be public opinion so you don't get in any trouble. Or, if I can be allowed to mix some metaphors, 
It's herd journalism or flock journalism at its worst, which is to say, you know, I'm a Texan by birth and by choice, that we know with a flock of turkeys, if two turkeys, two lead turkeys, suddenly go over the cliff, the whole flock of turkeys will go over the cliff. Or with buffalo, the same way with buffalo, you know, get the herd moving one direction, and they'll go to the death in some canyon by following one another. There's a very strong sense of that in American journalism now, and it's one reason I think, I think the public recognizes. I think they do. They do recognize it, but but they're looking for diversity and they can't find it, uh, even amongst professional journalists and reporters. You know, a few weeks ago, I had a chance to speak with uh, Josh Rushing, who is one of the journalists who started Al Jazeera English. And and he said he joined Al Jazeera for the reasons you're talking about. He, He said that Al Jazeera was still brave enough to report the news as they saw it, regardless of who would be harmed or helped by the reporting. And and for a number of years, we had leaders in Washington calling Al Jazeera the mouthpiece of terrorists. Um, yet today, we now have conservatives like John McCain getting their news from Al Jazeera. So is Al Jazeera doing it right? I think in many important ways they are. I'm, I'm an admirer of, of many of the, the programs they do. Having said that, uh, uh, fairness and to be perfectly candid, uh, I admire what Al Jazeera America tries to do. I admire many of their programs. But uh, Al Jazeera, uh, they're reluctant to do programs about the people who finance it. Uh, I don't want to go too far with this, but as you know, it, uh, what we used to call uh, Qatar, now known as Qatar. Yeah, they don't uh, want to bite the hand that feeds them. Exactly. So we you can't go too far in pointing to them. But I will say that they have exhibited more guts, more spine, if you want to mix it that way, uh, than most when it comes to reporting on, you know, questioning power. Look, this is what we're dealing with, whether you're talking about Al Jazeera or anybody else in American journalism. News, news is what somewhere, somebody, mostly somebody in power, doesn't want the public to know. That's news. Almost all the rest is advertising and entertainment. Now, I, I give Al Jazeera America credit. I think they've dedicated themselves in so far as possible to that, that proposition that, look, news is what somebody somewhere, mostly somebody in power, doesn't want you to know, and they, they set out to get it. There are other places in American journalism. I don't want to overgeneralize here. There, there are a lot of good journalists out there who want to do the right thing. What you and I are talking about here is the atmosphere, the political and ideological atmosphere that's been created uh, that causes many of us in journalism, including myself, to, there's no nicer word for it, to cower and not meet our responsibilities. Well, one of the things that you've done, which is uh, very brave, is you've stepped away from mainstream and you've said, you know what, uh, I, I did that. I know where journalism's going, but I want the freedom to report uh, what I see uh, and what the truth is. Now, we have to take another short break. When we come back, um, we're going to find out how important an informed citizenry is to a healthy democracy. You're listening to the Costa Report. In the opening of All Quiet on the Western Front, Eric Maria Remark wrote, This book is to be neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all, an adventure. For death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will simply try to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Today, Project Healing Waters offers men and women that have escaped the shells of war the opportunity to heal by teaching our returning veterans to fly fish in some of the most beautiful, tranquil rivers in our country. These natural surroundings have the ability to restore the human spirit, and with your help, Project Healing Waters is able to reach out to thousands of our men and women in the military every year. For information on how you can help, go to projecthealingwaters.org. Please give and give generously to those who have put their lives on the line for you. That's projecthealingwaters.org. Help those who have escaped the shells of war and need your help to come all the way back. 
Hi, this is Sarah O'Brien from the American Red Cross. You can give the gift of life this year. Every two seconds, a patient in the United States needs a blood transfusion. The need for blood is constant and never takes a holiday. Whether it goes to an accident victim or a premature baby, your blood donation through the American Red Cross can help save up to three lives. This holiday season, give something that means something. Give blood. Make an appointment to donate blood or platelets today at Red Cross crossblood.org Hello? Hi, Grandma. No, Grandma, I can't fix your computer. I'm sorry it's so slow, but I don't know what to do with it. You clicked on what? You better call user-friendly computing, because I can fix any PC, Mac, or laptop. They'll even come to your house and pick it up. But if you bring it to the shop, they'll give you a free $50 diagnostic just for saying you heard their ad on KSCO. No, Grandma. Downloading that free internet software won't save you time or money. Let's face it, most of your computer problems these days start with the user being tricked into clicking on a link that contains a path to computer hell. User-friendly computing will have you back on track fast. User-friendly computing is locally owned at 505 River Street across from Gateway Plaza, or you can give them a call at 831-423-9653. That's 831-423-9653. Attenzione, all you iPhone owners. You can now go to the Apple App Store, search for the ZBS Radio app, and download it into your iPhone. Yes, after you do that, you will be able to transform your iPhone into the ultimate KSEO KOMY ZBS program delivery tool on your schedule, not just ours. Use it to tune into the live KSEO and KOMY streams, as well as to instantly order up any of our locally produced programs from our giant growing archive of past shows. You can use the app as an alarm clock and even fast forward the recording to a particular part of a memorable show that you can immediately share with anyone you wish via email, text, Twitter, Facebook, or other social media. It's all free and new features will be added via updates on a continuing basis. Give yourself and those you love the gift of KSEO. KOMY and ZBS programs on demand. Download the ZBS radio iPhone app from the Apple App Store right now. And I mean right now. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Marlene. And we're the hosts of Flavors. On KSCO 1080. We're going to be talking about restaurants, cookbooks. Wine and reviews. And all sorts of other things. If you like olive oils, this is the place. So remember to tune in on Sundays at noon. And remember, Flavors Everything. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Dan Rather. And before the break, you were suggesting that reporting the news is a risky business because it necessarily means that at some point you're going to be reporting something that people in power don't want reported. And even news bureaus such as Al Jazeera, they struggle with this. So so just out of curiosity, Mr. Rather, um, Who's doing a good job of making sure that the news serves the public and, and not profits? Well, I, I'm going to try to answer the question, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit reluctant you know, for listing uh, even a short list for fear of leaving out someone. <laughs> That's like those uh, those thank yous uh, after at the Academy Awards where they have to pull out a piece of paper because they're pretty sure they're going to be in trouble when they get home. Exactly. But uh, I've... The New York Times still dedicates a great deal of its resources and I think does a good job to do deep-digging investigative reporting, which, as I mentioned before, is one of the two biggest lacks, two biggest things lacking in current American journalism, the other being quality, first-rate international or foreign reporting. So I think the Times, with deep-digging investigative reporting, uh, uh, still does a, a, a pretty good job of, of doing doing news. Mm-hmm. I do think that uh, the evening news programs on all three of what used to be called the big three, ABC, NBC, and CBS, the people who uh, who anchor those programs, I know each one of them individually. They mm-hmm. want to do the right thing, and there are glimmers of hope. I, I, I may be kidding myself. Hope may be farther to the belief 
But I think there's a slight turn, at least toward a little more international reporting on those programs. Uh, that uh, The New Yorker does a, a very good job. I like The Economist magazine. Uh, I read The Financial Times, which I think is the best uh, edited newspaper in the world. Well, that's a short list of places where I, I turn to to get news. Nobody does it perfectly. Journalism is not a precise science. It's a very crude art. Nobody can do it perfectly all the time. But I do admire those individual journalists and those journalistic enterprises and institutions that are still at least trying to do a half-decent job on what I call the big two, real investigative reporting and first-rate international news. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because um, when people ask me where do I go to the news, I, I have to say it's complicated. I have to read four newspapers, watch four programs. I, you know, it, it, I can't get the news from one particular source because I don't get uh, the full picture. Um, and, and that brings me to my next question. I mean, the issues that we're facing today are substantially more complicated um, than, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But we don't see much of that in-depth investigation or even long-form reporting. And I worry about this because not all issues are going to get jammed into an elevator pitch. Uh, So we're in the habit of treating very difficult, multifaceted issues rather superficially. And the fact is most people don't understand the issues well enough to vote on them. Uh, So can you speak to the role the media plays in this democratic process for a moment? Well, yes. Number one, we all were taught no later than seventh grade civics class but we don't often remind ourselves that a free and independent, truly independent, fiercely independent when necessary press is the red beating heart of freedom and democracy. And the reason that is, our whole system of government depends on an informed citizenry, and an informed citizenry that takes the responsibility to make decisions for the country. And as each individual gathers information, this is the theory, gets accurate information on which to base their opinions and their conclusions, we reach national consensus and we reach national policy. That's the whole theory on which our system of government is based. Now, when you have a breakdown, as we now have, you don't have, by and large, a citizenry anywhere near well enough informed to make the kind of decisions, and what's missing with the press, and again, I include myself in this criticism, is, first of all, there's very very little context. The news is not given in context, including historical context. It's not presented in, in depth. It's shallow. Uh, there's, no, there's very little perspective to it. And look, I'm an optimist by experience and by nature, but uh, I am worried about the direction of the country and where we're headed unless we can return to at least some of, of quality journalism of, of integrity. Uh, without that, it's pretty hard to see how our future is going to be better than what it is today. Well, what we have today is we have people voting based on clever ad campaigns. I don't know why we can't just come out and say that. And, uh, you know, people, when you query them as they're coming out of voting on ballot issues, uh, and you scratch below the surface, they don't really know very much about what they're voting on. Uh, and and part of the re- thing that is that they're just voting up or down, yes or no, with really no idea of how that vote will um, have some after effects down the road. Uh, they we we just I, I'm very concerned. I have to tell you this last um, midterm election here in California when there were you know I don't I think 30 ballot initiatives. I didn't vote because I didn't have the opportunity to actually go through and do diligence on them. And I think most people in America they're they're working two jobs, two and three jobs to put food on the table. They don't really have time to explore these issues. Well, and that's where a free and independent and responsible press comes in. Uh, that if we were doing our job, it would be—it wouldn't be easier, but it w- easy. But it would be easier for people to form their own opinions. I do agree with you. This is a deep and abiding problem, and it, it, it contributes to the other p- part of the problem, which very low voter turnout. Yes. Uh, inc- you have ever increasing lower voter turnout. Once in a while, it will peak up with a particularly. Hot race, but 
by and large. But I have to tell you, that doesn't bother me. I'd rather people self-select and not vote if they're not informed. I, I really well, do. I want people to just decide, I'm not informed enough, and I disqualify myself as a voter. Well, that's where you and I, and I'll say this gently, uh, that our, our opinions would vary. Uh, that I would rather have people uh, vote in large numbers. In fact, I'm in favor of something akin to the Australian system, that is that you're, you're required to vote, and if you don't vote, uh, there's some penalty for it. But I understand how controversial that can be. But uh, I'm of the other mind that I would rather have a, a very large voter turnout, even if uh, many voters say, I don't know what, uh, what all the issues are. Because as you get lower voter turnouts, it's easier and easier to manipulate the outcome of elections, particularly uh, to manipulate them on the basis of who has the most money to spend. And I think that's very dangerous for us. It is dangerous. Now, I noticed that after you left CBS, you made a point of not returning to a large network, and you decided to partner with Mark Cuban to launch uh, what you called a combination of Edward R. Murrow's See It Now, Nightline, and 60 Minutes. And similarly, Larry King, also a veteran in the industry, he partnered up with the Mexican oil man Car- Carlos Slim to form their own digital television company. So um, is this signaling a kind of changing of the guard? Well, I don't know. I might not be a good one to ask about that changing guard. I do want to say that one of the reasons I've gone in the direction I've gone, and I think any thinking person or someone has looked into it, uh, that to do the kind of journalism that I love to do and I want to do, uh, there are very few uh, people willing to finance it. Uh, in very few places, look, if, if, uh, if NBC uh, or ABC, CNN, uh, wanted to finance the kind of work that I do because they present the opportunity of a very large audience, I'd certainly be tempted to do it. And I don't want to kid anybody about that. But uh, I think for, with American journalism, we're at a point where the old order is dead. It's what the mafia calls a walking corpse, which is to say the old order is, is virtually gone. That is the way to finance journalism. Now, nobody has figured out a way in the Internet era to finance quality journalism. I think somebody will find a way, but it will come up with business. Well, we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break, because I think you make the point that we need new economic and financial models when it comes to reporting the news, and I couldn't agree with you more. So we'll go ahead and take our final break, and we'll be right back with more from Dan Rather. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. The holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. 
Prices are for base buildings only. If 2015 is a year for your business to grow and you need to build, call General Steel today before you spend thousands more than you should. General Steel pre-engineered buildings could save you as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. Get a 5,000 square foot building for under 35000 or 10,000 square feet for an unbelievable price under $75,000. we will design a building to fit your needs and best of all, you can stop paying rent. For office buildings, strip malls, church buildings, manufacturing and much more, you just can't beat a general steel price call now to lock in 2014 prices and build in 2015 call general steel today at 898 steel don't pay thousands more than you should call now and get the best prices in years call 898 steel we'll lock in your 2014 price for 90 days call 800-987-8335 here's a question for the season what can we get the person who has everything everything like an rv a class b motorhome horse trailer boat trailer toy hauler well let's check with rena mills at rv service center 2525 mission way up at the top of santa cruz rena what can we get the person who has just about everything the perfect gift for the person who has everything is a gift certificate from rv service center well what makes a gift certificate from rv service center a perfect gift because the person who has everything can use it for whatever they need to keep their rigs rolling but that's not all i'll bet you have something to make the perfect gift even more perfect what is it rena Sure do, Michael. RV Service Center will give each holiday gift certificate recipient an additional 20% off service and accessories. It's our way of saying thank you for keeping your business local. Wow, that's like a gift within a gift. Happy holidays from your friends at RV Service Center. 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Dan Rather. Now, Mr. Rather, you've talked about the need for new business models where the news is concerned. And uh, not long ago, the Obama administration attempted to put people inside newsrooms across the country to try to understand how uh, stories were being selected. And uh, the administration came under a great deal of criticism for doing so. In fact, they they withdrew these representatives. And uh, folks were afraid that they'd use what they learned to manipulate news in future um, election campaigns. But but the administration said that they were concerned about many of the same things that you've expressed today. So I want to ask you, in, in your view, does the government have a role to play in setting guidelines for news reporting, or, or is that government overreach? That's government overreach. There's not a place for the government setting guidelines. Uh, I, some, some years ago, I think the, the, the most that a president could do and should do, and I still favor it, is to call uh, a, a national conference of, uh, on journalism. Uh, deal with, say, look, in some ways, American journalism is in crisis. In the same way, when the automobile business gets in crisis, uh, the timber business gets in crisis, it's not unusual for the government, the federal government, to call a conference and say, look, we're not going to interfere with it. We just want to get the best heads in the business and the craft and profession together. What can we do to strengthen it? That's the most that should be done. Putting people in newsrooms uh, was, was overreached. A considerable overreach, and I'm glad that somebody came to their senses and stopped. But, but it. don't you think that would have helped them to understand what the problem was, even if they, even if the solution wasn't theirs to come up with or to enforce, just to try to understand what the real issue with the news is. I understand, but uh, that that was the argument. I, I'm just, uh, I'm unalterably opposed to uh, whoever's in charge of the government at any given time, Republican, Democrat, or Mugwump, uh, placing people in the newsroom goes uh, far too far. Yeah, and there's too much risk of, uh, of using that information uh, in nefarious ways. I, I, I do agree there's always that danger. Well, that's, that's the danger I'm concerned about. But again, having said that, that, uh, that doesn't excuse the rest of us, those of us who are in journalism, we're just wandering around saying, well, we don't want anybody from any, any administration to govern our newsrooms, and then uh, walking away from our responsibility. It's basically the responsibility of people 
one, who are in journalism, and two, people who really care about quality, truly independent journalism, to work to find a, uh, new business models that will finance the kind of quality journalism of integrity that we so badly need. Well, why so, haven't we called a national conference? Let me ask you that. Well, I think, number one, uh, because everybody's a little lazy. Again, I do not accept myself in this criticism. And number two, I think there's some, uh, there's some concern of, you know what, don't rock the boats, what we talked about before, that journalists, instead of standing up saying, you're damn right, we need to do something, we need to get together, and let's have a national conference, let's talk among ourselves, let's make suggestions, let's do something. It's, you know what, just don't rock the boat, just stay in the middle, don't cause any waves. Uh, because otherwise you draw attention to yourself, you draw attention to yourself, uh, that could spell trouble for you. I think it's a matter of fear. So who would lead the charge? Well, I'm, I mean... Uh, I, I, I work among, uh, these days, uh, an extraordinary number of younger journalists, and I think the leadership is going to come from the younger generation of journalists. It has to come from, from there, and I think it will. I find, uh, one, people, young people in journalism today are, are much smarter than they were. I'm not sure I could make it coming up in journalism. They're much smarter. Two, they, there is a strong sense of dedication and idealism. So when you say, well, who should lead the charge, I think it's going to come from a younger generation of journalists. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I, I could not uh, make it today. And not only in journalism, I don't think in any field. Um, it's just much too complicated. And uh, I think young people work about a, a hundred times harder than uh, I had the good sense to work. Now, one of the things the public admires most about you is uh, the effort that you go through to tell uh, the story in a way that allows us to understand why the story even matters, as well as um, what's known at any particular point in time. So uh, give us a sneak preview. Uh, what, what's got your interest these days? Well, we just finished a two-hour documentary, and I recognize two hours is a long time, uh, trying to expose what's happened with some, by no means all, some of the children that are adopted from foreign countries. Unfortunately, uh, hundreds if not thousands of children who are adopted from foreign countries. Once they get here, they become citizens uh, immediately, of course. In some cases, uh, the adoptive parents throw up their hands and say, we can't handle this child or these children. And unfortunately, they go on the Internet and, in effect, advertise the child, who wants to take these, this child or these children off my hands? It's called de-homing, quote, unquote. Uh, some of it works, but in many cases, it leaves the children extremely vulnerable, I think it's an outrage, and anybody who becomes aware of how often these foreign adoptions don't work and the parents throw up their hands and just put a vulnerable child up on the Internet uh, is not compatible with, we don't want this kind of country, we don't want to be this kind of people. Uh, what would help is for individual state legislatures, if nothing else, to pass laws that you can't advertise children on the Internet. So that's the most current thing we're working on. We've also been working on a, a deep-digging investigative report, which is not yet finished, on the efforts of the Chinese government to uh, place uh, people inside major American universities. And what is that all about, and should we be worried about it? We haven't reached a conclusion, but that's another one of the things we're working on. Well, I am looking forward to those reports, and uh, we're just about out of time here. Do you have a website where listeners can go to read your blogs and get information about your book and also upcoming programs? Well, uh, probably the best place would be danrather.com, mm -hmm. which is there. We can also, uh, on uh, hold on just a second, Facebook is a very good place to keep up with what we're doing. Those would be the two uh, best places. Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and at danrather.com. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have left. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for having the courage to speak out at a time when informative reporting is needed more than ever. I thank you so much for your good work, Mr. Rather. Rebecca, thank you very much for your time and for your interest and for your kind words. Uh, Godspeed to you, and hope you have a great holiday. We'll, we'll see you soon. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or comment to make about our interview with Dan Rather today, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. 
Rather, along with Larry King, are among two industry news veterans who not only left the mainstream media after long and successful careers, but elected to partner with known entrepreneurs to build out their own news channels. And I wonder what that says about the news today, that we have folks admitting uh, openly that they get their news from the comedy channel and and that experts like Rather and King are venturing out on their own. Maybe you have some thoughts about that. You can send those thoughts to me by going to our webpage at RebeccaCosta.com. That's my name, dot com. Just click on the word contact at the top of the homepage, and it'll usher you over to a big white box where you can type in your comments. And if you missed the full interview with Rather or any of our other previous guests, remember you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. You also find our weekly radio blog, which captures the headline news from each of our interviews. So if you miss a program, you can still catch what our guests had to say by reading the radio blog. It's, it's short, it's pithy, it's to the point. I think you'll really enjoy that. And be sure to uh, check out the Watchman's Rattle while you're on our webpage. Um, before it's too late, we have a limited number of first edition hardcover copies left, and they can still be dedicated and inscribed to someone you love. Where else are you going to find a customized gift for less than $20? So just go to RebeccaCosta.com, click on the book cover, and it'll take you right over to the page to order the book. My guest next week has been called a trader, a patriot, and America's first modern whistleblower, Mr. Daniel Ellsberg, notorious for releasing the Pentagon Papers, will be with us to talk about what business and government transparency really mean. Don't miss Daniel Ellsberg next week on the Costa Report. And before we just, I, I'm, I have to apologize. I am just recovering from a cold. And uh, I have to apologize to our audience for uh, any uh, background noises that you hear. If you hear me breathing or or, or some such, know that uh, this interview with Dan, rather, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. So uh, thank you for uh, tolerating any background noises that you hear that might, might seem a little strange. Again, Daniel Ellsberg will be here with us in the studio next week. Daniel Ellsberg on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 